the little things that just liking or believing that's it lifts you up as a founder so i think those little moments are so rewarding and just the little wins i think that you as a founder you just appreciate every single win big or small because you just helps you understand that you're heading towards the right direction. So I think that and and just being uncomfortable with always learning and wanting <laughs> I mean sounds really bad, but I think that that's what makes a founder a founder. You need to keep changing and learning and to just you know technology is changing, the industry is changing. So that is something I'm very I, I really appreciate, you know, and I love as a founder. You are listening to the High Growth Founders Podcast, where we give you unfiltered truth and ideas about accelerating the growth of your startup and becoming the founder you were born to be. No fluff, no games, just straight to business. I'm your host, Casey Jones. Through my career as a coach, consultant, advisor, and mentor, I've worked with hundreds of founders on their go-to-market strategy, building an authentic personal brand, and growing as a leader. You are here for one thing growth. And this show is dedicated to helping founders accelerate growth, period. We will dive into not only the best strategies that are working today, but discuss the biggest mistakes and failures that industry leaders have made in the past so you don't have to. So kick back, relax, and let's get into the show. Get ready for one of the most energetic episodes of this podcast. I am joined today by Lily Hagen of Lingo Plaza, a really, really cool uh, ed tech company that works on creating immersive cultural experiences to teach uh, English-speaking kids Spanish. And now they are expanding into Colombia to teach uh, Spanish-speaking kids English. And Lily is... She's just got this seriously infectious energy. She always has a smile that can light up a room. And today she really talks about what it's like starting a business, knowing kind of nothing about the whole startup world, um, what it's like to be a Latina founder, and also to have her husband as her co-founder. So she talks a lot about um, stories that I know all of you are going to find really interesting, um, heartwarming, impressive. And you're going to learn a lot because she is very open and transparent about the hard stuff, but also some of the tips and tricks that she employs to stay motivated, to stay with it, and to stay, in using her word, relentless in her pursuit of this mission-driven business. So get ready and give a listen. I am so ridiculously excited to have this conversation. Everybody, I want to introduce Lily Hagen. I have gotten to know her over the last kind of year and change. She has one of the most infectious energies that like exists on the planet. And so Lily, thank you for being here. I cannot wait to have this conversation to kick things off. Who the heck are you? What do you do? Tell us the tell us the quick rundown. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, as you said, I'm Lily Hagen. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Lingo Plaza, which is gamified language and cultural e-learning for kids. And what we do is we are helping democratize language and cultural education for kids around the world. 
So yes, here I am. And I'm so excited to tell my story. Yay. I can't wait to get into it. Um, We're going to talk about a few things first, but we're also going to talk about how you came up with this idea because I think it's absolutely brilliant. And every time I hear about what you're doing and some of the stories that you've been willing to share with me, um, I get more excited. This is a this is a goosebump creating kind of story. So I'm I'm excited for you to share a little bit more of that with the audience. So to kick things off, you know, we start every show with talking about the hard stuff. So I'm I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a story about one of the tough moments in your life or in your experience as a founder that ultimately led to that lesson, that realization, that like beautiful aha that led to some serious growth. Oh my gosh, so many stories, right? But I think that one of the biggest stories that I have is pretty much how I started everything. You know, I lived in LA back in the day and I got married super young and I had kids very young. And my desire obviously was to pass on my heritage to my kids and my language. Um, And, you know, I come from Colombia. We learn English. So I figured because of so many multicultural families live here, you know, that will be a simple thing to do. (laughs) Or even just because I spoke English, Spanish, I mean, it would be almost seamless. Oh, my gosh. It's definitely not little did I know about this. And I started talking to more parents and trying to find things to help me raise my kids bilingual, but there was really nothing. So I saw how this was more of a, there, it was a personal pain for me, a pain point for me. And not only as a mother, but even back in the day when I was learning English, you know, language learning is a big issue and it's more considered of a luxury than anything else. So fast forward, I am in LA and my co-founder who is also my husband, um, he traveled a lot and I had two kids under five. So I had this brilliant idea and I'm trying to figure out how to build this. Now, the biggest, I wouldn't say it's a, a mistake. And I think that, you know, you go through things and there's always something that you get out of it. And although this was an, this is, I wouldn't say disadvantage, it turned into an advantage for me. Wow. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know back then. You know, I didn't know anything about the startup world or investors or MVPs or, you know, I just had an idea and I decided to just do what my parents taught me, which was you want a business, you work for it and you build it. Um, so as I said, my husband traveled. So I'm like, there was not an option for me to go find a job because I have kids under five. So I'll be working to pay for childcare yep. realistically. So I decided to get a job over at home and I worked overnight and it was from midnight to 6, 6 a.m. Um, it was one of the hardest times, obviously, because I was not only taking care of my kids, my husband was traveling and I was, you know, I'm working and I'm t- talking about, you know, probably to build this platform. It takes quite a bit of money, right? Yeah. But I didn't know. So It took a lot of me and not quitting. You know, I knew my my goal. I knew who I was doing it for and quitting simply was not an option. So if anything, I say, I say my mistake, obviously was, I didn't know. So, but I did what I knew. And if anything, that helped me and shaped me to face the industry and see what I got into it, you know, being relentless. I had not for, th- I say 2000, the end of 2018 is when I started from branding, you know, from scratch. It took quite a bit 
until we launched and got a family and friends, a small family and friends round. But still, I didn't know. And now I see, I'm like, wow, that really helped me to be relentless and not give up. If I did that back then, oh, I can do anything, you know, and now obviously I'm more educated and I know, and I, I like to share this story because, you know, as you, as you probably mentioned before is, you know, it's important that other founders realize like they're not alone. Mistakes are made, but there's something good that comes out of those things. And you learn, you learn fast and you move forward. Absolutely. So that is my biggest story. And I say that marked me. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, I think about this. I, I, I love that you're putting it this way because I think about this all the time. If we knew how hard it was going to be before we started, would we have done it? I think a lot of the time, maybe not. And so sometimes our naivete is our greatest advantage, right? And so you didn't know. You didn't know everything that was going to be included, how long it was going to take, how hard it was going to be. And that helped you just helped you get started. Mm-hmm. And so that by the time you learn, whoa, this is really, really freaking hard. You're like, well, I'm too deep into it now and I'm committed and I'm relentless. And I love that you use that word because damn, that is so powerful, right? Relentless. So you mentioned something else that I want to come back to. You talked about the fact that you know you're building a product that you realized you needed for your family. But it sounds like you've also realized in all the conversations you are having with other moms and other families that it's not just your family that kind of that needs Lingo Plaza. So tell me a little bit about how you realized that this is bigger than just you and your family. How does that play into what you built, what you created and why you stay so relentless in doing it? My story has to do a lot with my experience with, you know, as a student, because in Colombia, you know, I was born and raised there. English is taught since you're in high school. And although it's not a bilingual school or, you know, it's different. Education is different. And even then I had to be so resourceful to learn and be fluent because I knew that this was going to open up opportunities. Now, when I'm in the States, obviously with so many multicultural families, I'm thinking that it's just a given that the U S is going to just make it easy for my kids to learn. Um, and no, it would really is not. And I, as I said, I lived in LA, so I was surrounded by multicultural families and I heard, the desire of people wanting to pass on their heritage language being a big part of it and struggling. Sometimes they don't know where to start. Sometimes one common issue is there's a pushback from kids because obviously everything's in English and it's you against every, you know, the, the, it's a minority language for us. So it's me trying to tell them to speak and teaching them when their peers speak something different. So it is a battle as a parent, right? And obviously, as I mentioned, the more I talk to parents, the more we even see, I mean, if you realize multicultural families are becoming more the normal thing than, you know, than anything. So it is heading there. And not only for multicultural families, a lot of families, like the future opportunities, you know, we're talking about something that's happening is shifting, meaning that careers, jobs are going to be requesting more of this. But then 
I realized that, oh my gosh, these kids are not being prepared for this. It's still a big issue. So I just decided to do it. And, you know, I've been very lucky to have a very strong community of parents that believe in our mission, because as I said, it's a very personal issue. It is no longer anymore. Obviously, we have parents that want and understand the benefits of it and the future opportunities. But when it comes to a multicultural family, it's a personal pain. You know, it's something that you are attached to it. It's not like, for me, it's a non-negotiable. So it is It is something that we need to learn. And I think that part of my job has been educating and helping parents. Sometimes they don't know where to start because as I said, it's not something that's common here. So it has, in the U.S. in particular, we have had to educate a lot to, for people to really understand the benefits. And also for those parents that they just don't know. Sometimes you think that just because they speak Spanish, they will know to raise a bilingual kid or they just, a lot of the parents come and say, where do I start? Yeah, I just don't know what to do, you know? So that's how I noticed, okay, this is beyond me. This is definitely something bigger and it's just going to get bigger. So we better jump into, you know, <laughs> earlier. Yeah, We did it early and, and we're just trying to help communities. And it's very uh, rewarding to see the parents that write us and say, my kid is wanting to watch TV in Spanish, which I'm telling you as a mom, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Oh my goodness. It is. So it's good and very rewarding to see the effect that we're having. And as a parent, I relate and I see, and it's good. And I see my own kids love it. I'm a customer first. Yeah. So yeah. It's been, it's been good. And, yeah. and that's how we decided to do it. And for that same reason, I'm not quitting, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, this is, this has come up a lot in the interviews I'm doing for the show is, um, especially when, um, founders have this very personal tie to what they're doing. What's really interesting. So even when you, when you read the science around like neurology, your brain changes when you have a deeper, bigger purpose. And it it literally makes you more resilient and more motivated to do what you're doing. So the fact that you have this bigger purpose, I mean, that's, yes, you know, that's why you're relentless, but it's also why it makes it as you put it, non-negotiable <laughs> that no, this isn't just about you. It's not just about, and, and we know we hear lots of this startup stories of like, no, I just wanted to make a bunch of money. And it's like, mm, okay. When it is something that is deeply personal and you see it as this, um, this, you know, bigger purpose in your life, it becomes easier to weather the storms of startup life, which we know there are a lot of them. <laughs> I agree. I mean, yes, the reality of the startup world, the startup world, and you know, it's not really close to you. You go, you have your highs and your downs, and you need to learn how to cope with all of those. Yeah. But in my case, as you mentioned, you know, my, well, our startup is a very mission driven startup. You know, it is not just about making the money, it's about changing the, what's happening in the education system. And particularly with language and cultural education. So this is much bigger. And, and being able to have contact 
with those parents that are already being affected by it and see that we're actually making an impact in helping them. It's just amazing, you know, and it's very, and like what you said, it just helps you. It's your, it's, I would say what we say in Spanish is my motor does what we say, but my engine, <laughs> but it's what keeps you pushing through, you know, wow. you do it obviously for them. And I think that as a startup is very important to think. You need to think of people. If you have people first, second, and third, mm. you will figure it out and you will go around to, you know, face any obstacle that you face. Because in the end, that's what we do. We serve our customers. We serve our audience. So you need to be able to understand what they're going through for you to change. And once you're doing that, starting even if it's two, ten, whatever, however many people you have, that was the purpose of you starting this yeah. and it will just resonate and it will get there. Yeah. I love this. So, okay. I've got to ask, what's it like being, uh, being co-founders with your husband? I've been so lucky. It's been amazing. Great. I mean, he is, and I'm not just sugarcoating it. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> there are us anything. I think relationships, you know, just because you're dealing with humans in general, you're always going to have friction here and there because they're different perspectives, different points of view. And my husband and I are so different. Um, and we bring so many different aspects to the table to help this. But in the end, we both have and live the pain point. So it's easier for us to understand and where we come together and seeing different perspectives. So it's been a wonderful experience, to tell you the truth. I was lucky because I know it's not always the case. <laughs> but, you know... It's, it's been wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay, so I am really curious. I mean, you're coming, you you made the decision to build this business. You'd, you'd never worked at a startup, is that right? Never. Um, okay, so so how did you come up with this idea? Because I want to be clear for, for the audience who's listening. You know, Lily hasn't just built a business that, you know, works with kids. It'd be really easy to be like, oh, it's all in person. No, no, no. She is building a tech company. And yes, it's a very sort of human-centric tech company, but it is a tech company. And I'm how did you come up with the idea? How what made you think, like, oh yeah, I, I can totally do this when you came from a totally different world and background and experience? You know, part of my experience and my perspective, I come from my background as a student, which I learned English in school and I was fluent by the age of 15, but I reached that fluency because of different resources. I knew the pain points even back then. Mm. Now, I worked as a, for a nonprofit for many years and I was able to, you know, be in contact with different cultures around the world. And I taught English and Spanish, both as a, ling as a second language, not only, you know, in person, but also online. So I know it works. And, and it's been more than just language, you know, it's the experience, you know, in my contact with cultures, that is something that's really lacking. Yeah. And we needed to, I knew that that aspect in particular needed to exist. Now going to the technology aspect, and obviously now as a mom, obviously I have that perspective, but the, the technology, you know, working as a startup, I would say I was always very tech savvy and I, I'm more in, on the uh, design aspect, right? But I like to learn. And I think that that's very important as a, an entrepreneur. Learning never stops. And I'm, I mean, I'm learning how to code right now. So it's amazing. You just need to go for it. Yeah. So I think that 
I honestly, I'd say I was lucky. I think I'm lucky to have the perspective of, of the, you know, as a student, educator, and a parent. Um, and sometimes you just don't know, I guess. Even even if you have worked at a tech startup, you know, let's be honest. Sometimes you have a great idea and you just go, and I just happen to understand this this pain point so well. And it's such a need that I just built it when hired, you know, outsource people um, to guide us better in Colombia. And, you know, that's how it happened. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, <laughs> it could, it could, you could always have a great idea and even if you have the experience or not and do super great or not. So I think that that helped. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about, I think, being an entrepreneur is even if you have a ton of experience, when you're doing something new, it's going to be new. And it's also that the market is constantly changing. The technology is constantly changing. People's interaction and experience with the technology is also is constantly changing. So you can have all the experience in the world and it only is going to get you so far. Mm-hmm. So having that, I don't know, that acceptance of the beginner's mindset, I think is so important and so powerful. So as you've gone down this path, you've had to learn so many different things. How do you stay um, kind of positive with all of it, even in the tough moments? Because this is one of the things that I have always loved about you. You always have a smile on your face. Even when you're talking about tough things, you will always like have a laugh. You always have that really positive energy. And I have no doubt that it's a serious advantage for you in this journey. But for people that maybe it doesn't come quite as naturally. What's your secret? How do you do that? I I wish I could say this is my secret, but you just got to be positive and surround yourself, you know, with people that are also positive and find your, those people that will hype you up. And yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some days are hard. And even as, as positive and optimistic as I am, some days, and it comes to any entrepreneur, you question a lot. It's like, oh my gosh, is this because it's on you and it's a lot of innovating. It's a lot of trying to figure out what's going to work for my customers. And it's not easy, right? And I think that it's a mindset. Yeah. You have to, you know, I, I once learned that, you know, emotions and your thoughts, when you start thinking your emotions will follow, they will follow, you know, rational, you have to be positive. And if it's not hard, try it, try with simple things. And your emotions will follow and everything surrounding you will follow as well. But I think that with entrepreneurship, you just have to be positive and optimistic and, you know, just hope for the the best and keep going. Yeah. So I I hope that helps somebody. (laughs) I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Because sometimes we, we think that we're being smart by being... I don't know, rational, but it's really, it's sort of our excuse to being negative. Um, And so I do think it's a good reminder that that really doesn't help us in the long run. And especially when we're trying to to stick with something that's going to be hard. Um, So another thing I'm really curious about, have you noticed what, what's it like being a Latina founder? Because, you know, we talk a lot about um, the fact that, you know, we know that um, venture money, very little of it goes to women, very, even less of it goes to, um, women of color or from, you know, diverse backgrounds. How has your, what's, what's been your experience as a 
pretty freaking badass um, Latina woman founder. Um, how do you feel like the the industry sort of treats you? What's what's your experience been like? We have been bootstrapping yeah. for a while. So I think that one of the biggest things have been obviously the fundraising aspect. Yeah. Um, I've been diligently looking for people that support mm. Latinos, you know, and I think that's key. Do your research and see who are the ones that are looking to support our community, you know, and, and then you will find it. I've been lucky enough to just be do like, look at you and like you, you have been so amazing. And honestly, you've been one of the biggest mentors and inspirations that I've had. When I met you, I didn't know anything. You make it really easy because you are just like, and seriously, any person that I've introduced you to always comes back and is like, oh my God, Lily's amazing. Like it just, you've got this infectious energy and your passion for what you're doing. It It's really hard to not believe in you and what you're doing because of your passion. That's so sweet. Oh my gosh. This, I appreciate it. This might be one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> I love this. Thank you so much. Honestly, seriously, I, I have been surrounded by people that support me. That's awesome. And I think that if you don't do that, if you don't have people that support, I'm all for building genuinely, uh, genuine relationships. It's about the relationship. You know, who, yeah. this is something that you're going to be, uh, this industry is somewhere that I'm going to be for a long time. And if I'm going to be here, I want people and, you know, relationships that are, are friends that will have my back. And I think that's very important, regardless whether you're Latino, if you're Black, if you're what, if you're white, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're still humans. And regardless, we need that support for, you know, confidence for anything. I say that yeah. my biggest issue, and it has nothing to do, I say, from the industry. It's more for, I was born and raised in Colombia. So I came here with zero connections. Yeah. So I had to start from zero and network and network and network. So that would be my only disadvantage, but it was not, it's not necessarily because I was from Colombia. It's more because, you know, I'm in the U.S., it's a new country, new territory, new people, and I just have to work again to get those connections. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something shifting in the industry, which is very, very hopeful. And thankfully, as I said, I have now faced that, you know, I haven't really personally had a struggle because of it being Latina. Yeah. If anything, I found groups that have been supportive. That's amazing. Just because I am Latina. So it's kind of encouraging to see, well, people see me and, and I would like to get to a point of, to where obviously people doesn't see you, they, they don't see you because where you come from. Right. In fact, that's part of where I'm lingo plus that regardless of your background and cultural yeah. it doesn't matter like that that shouldn't even matter it should you should be because you're who you are where you're going your mission how relentless like you are and just it should be about that and that's my goal and hope for one day that is not so much you know there's so much division about it oh yeah it should be a thing that we celebrate not um view as a separator When I work with startups and their founders, it's usually because they know they could be growing faster and they need some help to make it happen. Almost always, my first step with them is to take them through my growth audit process to diagnose and then help them fix the problem. But I can't work with everyone and I still want to help every founder grow. 
So I've created the growth audit quiz, which asks you some questions about your business and your process of turning a stranger into a loyal, happy customer to help you identify where you have the greatest opportunity to take a big leap forward. So go to a betterjones.com slash growth audit and take the growth audit now. You'll also have a chance to book some time with me to review your answers and together create an action plan to help you grow. It's interesting. I, I, I was thinking about this this morning and I won't get into all the details, but like I had an experience where I, I just got the vibe that I was being offered an opportunity solely because I was a woman. And it's tough because yes, we want these opportunities and I'm not going to turn it down because it is a good opportunity and their heart is in the right place. But it also, it, it colors it. It just doesn't feel as genuine. It's hard to be as excited about it. And it's, I think it's this really, it's this, it's this difficult balance for our industry and for all of us is yes, we, we, we want that opportunity. And if we, while the world improves, if we are getting some of it because they're, they're putting intention into finding women, finding Latina women, finding Latinos, like whatever it is, like that's good. It's good that they're putting that intention in, but we really hope we can get to a point where someone's not calling us a, a woman founder. They're just calling us a freaking founder. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yes. I feel that's it. As I said, you know, I feel like the, this is shifting and I believe that is yeah. part of the learning curve of where it's heading. And I think it will get to that point, but I do understand sometimes because it, it does make me wonder sometimes like, Oh, am I being, is it because I'm just Latina or is it because they actually believe in my mission yeah. and they believe that I can do it regardless of where I come from. But I, I mean, I still obviously appreciate all of that because it's something that it needed to be talked about. And as I said, it's a shift and it's a learning curve and it's just, it's going to adapt and probably is going to change eventually. And I'm hopeful as I said, but I definitely feel you there in that aspect because it it does make me question a lot sometimes if it was because they actually believe in Lingo Plaza, right. And, And where it's heading. And you know, sometimes you know that it's one of those things where it's like, if that gets your foot in the door, you have enough passion for the the mission that you have that you know, given enough time, you can turn someone into a believer. At least I know you can do that. Um, and so you're like, you know what? If it takes that to get my foot in the door, to to give me that time to really make the case, because I, I think what is really interesting and and you know, you and I have talked about this. I have obviously I'm a I'm a white girl who was, you know, raised in the United States, but I spent 5 years when I was growing up in Miami. And you and I've talked about this. Um so I started uh Spanish classes when I was in Miami, and most of I would probably I would say probably half the kids in my Spanish class were kids um that were second generation Cuban Americans, but like lived at home with their abuelitas and spoke Spanish at home, but they had terrible grammar. And so their parents always made them be in the Spanish class, just like, you know, just like you would with your, (laughs) with your kiddos. And I learned, I was the worst Spanish speaker in that class because they spoke a mile a minute. And I was so, it was so incredibly hard. But then when I moved 
and I went to school in Massachusetts and I realized I had a much deeper appreciation for like Latin American culture. My accent was a hundred times better than the the Massachusetts kids, Hablo Espanol. Um, and I realized that I had this, like I had this huge advantage because I'd been exposed to culture and to good accents and all these other things. And so even from like my perspective, what you are doing is so incredibly needed, whether it is a a multicultural family trying to hold on to that that culture and that language and that experience, or it's a freaking white kid who really just wants to learn and learn in a much more nuanced and frankly like helpful way. What you're doing has some serious, serious power. So you've turned me into a believer. Let's just put it that way. Thank you. You know, it's funny that you said that because it is true. And I think that that being said, you know, Lingo Plus is not just for multicultural families. And what you said, it's so important because as I mentioned before, there's a shift in our culture. And I think yeah. the newer generations are more open to exploring, you know, cultures, people, where we come from. There's more, there's people are open to learn. And that's where we come. That's we the reason why we have obviously with our MVP um, tutors from Latin America is because there are kids that might not be able to ever travel, you know. Yeah. And that's like one of the best being immersed in in a culture or going to a foreign country is one of the be- the best ways to learn a language. But that's not reality for a lot of families. So part of our solution is like, how can we fix this? So it not only benefits multicultural families like myself, it also benefits other people that are surrounded by these families that like to travel, that want to explore and know the world because, you know, we're connecting with everybody around the world right now. And it comes down to whether you know how to communicate or not. And a lot plays, you know, language and cultural backgrounds. It's a big deal. So this is something that where, I mean, as I said, this is where we come from in your experience. You know, you speak louder than anything else. Your experience is something that nobody can take away from you. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. I really yeah. appreciate it. Well, okay. So I, you mentioned earlier where you were talking about how when you were learning to speak English, you had to find all these different resources to help you. So I'm really curious, how did you do it? Okay. You were probably learning in school, but I bet you did a bunch of things on your own that helped you get to that fluency at age 15. So what did you do? Yes. So as I mentioned, I love cultures. That's one of my biggest things. I love getting to know cultures and I always was curious about languages. So you know, going to school was amazing and you get to a certain level. And my school was not bilingual. My parents weren't really able to afford a bilingual school. So, but my goal was to be bilingual. So I had to watch TV in English and music and translating. You know, I will be legit. I will watch Friends almost every day. And just with the caption, it will have to be in English. So I just try to learn the pronunciation, familiarize myself with words. So in fact, all that experience is what we have characters, what we have music. Well, and our goal is, you know, you need a lot of resources to become fluent and it's a journey. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest issues with this, um, with language learning 
and education in general, because, you know, it's not a marathon. It's not where you just, there's a finish line. You just keep learning. In fact, I'm still learning English and Spanish in new words all the time. So yeah, music, I love it. English, I mean, um, and I remember always asking my friends that lived in the U.S., can you please introduce me to some of your friends from the U.S.? Because it's a big deal when it's someone from the place. Yeah. You know, it's an experience. And yes. it was me talking to people from the U.S. at age 16, you know, when you have Messenger. Oh, <laughs> and, of course. That's perfect. And that's how I practice. Oh, yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And then eventually I moved to the U.S. And yeah. That was another, obviously, the, another experience. But you need multiple resources. And that's what we want to be and do for families who want fluency. We want to be that for their families and provide those resources. Okay, this is amazing. So so tell me, what's what's next for Lingo Plaza? Like, what are you working on now? What's the next phase of this business that you're building? Yeah, so we always are working on new music. Um, and we're looking into launching, we're actually getting ready to launch uh, English and just launching Latin America by the end of this year. Oh, wow. Yes. And just be able to, as I said, be able to democratize this, edu- you know, language education. Yeah. Uh, we're starting obviously in Colombia because that's where I'm from. And we have been talking to some schools already, um, because the government actually requires for you to learn. Um, to get certain level of English to graduate college, specific universities in particular. So, but as I said, no, everybody can afford it. Yeah. And so we want to come and help those kids and bring the experience and even the cultural experience starting in Colombia and Puerto Rico. So that's what's happening this year. And we're very excited to do that. So here's what I'm curious about. Okay. As a Colombian, how do you describe American culture? Like, what do you think about? What are the things that you're going to expose them to that are American culture? Because sometimes when we think of American culture, it's not always super positive. Like, what is it? What are the things that you're going to sort of expose them to that you feel like will give them a good taste of American culture? Well, I'm married to an American. <laughs> so I must love it very much. Yeah. Let's start saying that. Um. I think that American culture, you know, I live now, I used to live in LA and, you know, I have people from all over the world. Um, But then now I live in the South and it's something that is completely different. I mean, I'm in Atlanta right now and it's just beautiful to see the different dialects Mm -hmm. and people and customs and the way people relate to each other. You know, I I say that every culture is beautiful and anyway, and every culture has positive and something that we need to work on. And that including my own culture. Um, but there's so many beautiful things that are worth highlighting. And that was my experience when I was young. You know, you have no idea how amazing it was to have somebody from the U.S. speaking my minority language in that case, which was English. Just the way that it just everything, just seeing things, how they see it, sayings. I mean, it's just very fascinating. Food. I mean, yeah. I want that for the students. And that's something that every kid should experience and have access to. Um, but I, we did actually a pilot um, with some students in Colombia already. And 
they loved it because Good. as I said, it's not just about words and grammar and yeah, sentences and rules, but it goes down, it goes back to relating. Why are we learning a second language? Yeah. To build relationships. And having somebody from the US seeing all these kids and kids the kids are learning since they're in preschool. And being able to converse with somebody from, you know, miles away is something that they will treasure forever. And that will help them, you know, it will shape their vision and perspective of the world as well. So going back to your cultural aspect, I say, as I said, there are always good and bad things in every culture and things that because, but I love America. I mean, I love it so much that I'm married. Someone from Married South Dakota, one. actually. Yeah. From <laughs> South Dakota. And that's like, that's American. What's funny, you're saying all this. So, so my boyfriend, my partner, he's from the South. And I always laugh because he's um, where I live in Portland. Anyone who moves from the South to Portland, they get rid of their Southern accent. And so Andy, I think is like the only Portlander that, that has kept his Southern accent. And he still says things like, he always says, sir and ma'am. And and just these little things that are really different from how I was brought up. And I like, I love it. And, I, and so I do think it is interesting. What you're doing is you're kind of teaching all these kids empathy by being able to understand where people come from and and what makes them unique and different and the experiences they have and how music and you know their experiences sort of shape them and so i i i love it i think you're 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 turning kids into global citizens even if they don't go anywhere i 100% in fact you know, part of what shaped me was being in contact with so many cultures. And that's why I appreciate them. I appreciate meeting people from different, and I teach that to my kids. I made part of those, the things that we do with my own kids. Now we're turning to parenting, you know, tips right here. But <laughs> I try to, with my husband, we go to different restaurants that, you know, they're different countries. Yeah. So they try them because, you know, Food is a big deal. And I, that's something that you can start with doing. Like go to a restaurant and, you know, by changing something, I always say this, changing a word that, that instead of saying that's weird, you know, that's just different. And the more that we get to that, you know, get used to that and want to learn, the more you appreciate it. So, yes, it's it's um the empathy. I mean, as I said, it's language and cultural education can be put in a box, but it's much bigger. And the impact that we're doing is much bigger than, than just words and rules. I love it. So I love it. The, in fact, part of why we bring the music and the characters, and you know, our goal is to be able to bring more of a cultural aspect through education so kids can see different things. And, you know, we're heading there one day, but that's our goal. Good. So I'm excited. Um, okay. So anybody who's listening, how do they find out about Lingo Plaza? Where do they go? If they want to learn more, they want to sign up their kids, or if they want to sneak in as an adult, maybe, um, how do they go about doing that? Where can they find you? Um, we're on pretty much every social platform in their websites, lingoplaza.com, but we're super active on Instagram. So, you know, we're very friendly. As I said, we have a community. So they talk to us at the time. So come say hi. I'm sure we can, you know, figure something out for you. And as I said, our goal is to help. And we're a very mission driven company. So if that's someone that if you're someone who has a kid who wants to 
learn. You know, we're here to support that journey in any way possible. Love it. Um, Okay. This conversation has been amazing. I have three last questions for you. So first, what's one thing that makes you grateful for being a founder? I think I love learning. Mm. And I'm always uncomfortable not knowing things. So I think that has helped my journey. And I just like to know and change and keep moving forward. You know, so I think that the knowledge that I've gained just the last year and the connections I've made and the like-minded people that I've met has been something super exciting and rewarding and seeing people that support me and to understand my mission has no price to tell you the truth even it's just like on twitter you know the little things that just liking or believing that's it lifts you up as a founder so i think those little moments are so rewarding and just the little wins i think that you as a founder you just appreciate every single win big or small because you just helps you understand that you're heading towards the right direction so I think that and and just being uncomfortable with always learning and <laughs> wanting—I mean, sounds really bad—but I think that that's what makes a founder a founder. You need to keep changing and learning, and to just you know, technology is changing, the industry is changing. So that is something I'm very—I I really appreciate, you know—and I love as a founder. I love that. Um, okay. So number two, what is a resource? It can be a book. It can be, um, a video, a movie, a practice, anything. What is something that you are always recommending to other founders? Okay. So one of the things I always recommend, and I don't know if it's a dying app, which I don't think so, but clubhouse Mm. is one big one. Um, in fact, a lot of the people that I met you through Clubhouse because I met Phil through, you know, it, it, a lot of the connections yeah. have been, it's been, um, has, they have happened through Clubhouse. And awesome. I'd say you guys start something amazing with the workshops and be surrounded by um, founders and just you, JC, have been a big, big influence. And, you know, it's been so refreshing to my soul um, because it's all new and it's, as a founder, you do need the support. Yeah. Um, aside from the business aspect, yourself, you know, you're dealing with a lot of questioning and imposter syndrome and, you know, figuring things out on your own. That's easy and lonely. So finding you guys um, has been really amazing. So I definitely, if you guys want to get some support, you, JC, for sure. And I, I mean, I can have a few people that I follow. Is that one thing? Maybe. Oh, absolutely. I love Jamie Schmidt. I love Jamie her. Schmidt. Her yeah. story. Her story is amazing. She's a Portlander too. Oh yeah. She started selling. Um, we're talking for people listening. We're talking about Jamie Schmidt. She created Schmidt's Naturals. It's natu- all natural deodorant. You can buy it at Target. She sold it to Unilever. The number has not been released, but it's nine figures. So we're talking at least $100 million. And she started, she would put homemade deodorant in mason jars and sell it at Portland farmers markets. That's how she started. And it was only from that to a nine figure deal, 10, 10 years. That's it. 
that's it. How crazy is that? She's Her content's amazing. I know. I, that star is good. But I'll also say anybody listening, go, go follow Lily on um, Twitter also because her content is amazing and inspiring and super positive. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Last but not least, if you could go back in time and you could tell your pre-founder self, like right before you started this business, if you could give yourself advice or give yourself a pep talk or whatever, what would you tell yourself? Ask questions. And I think that the Colombian in me, where where I come from, we're so polite and (laughs) asking for favors. Oh, that's so hard for me just because I never want to bother people. And I love helping people. You know, you can come to me as much as you can. But when it comes to me, it's a struggle. But I think that that comes to just learning to be uncomfortable and be okay with it and ask. And and I think that was, I think that was my biggest thing. Obviously, I didn't know any, it worked on my favor. But I wish I would have known more about it. So I could avoid a lot of mistakes that I probably made. Um, so yes, just learn, do your research and ask questions and don't be afraid to ask. And, you know, sometimes it's just, I obviously feel dumb asking, (laughs) but I'm not going to find out if I don't ask. So either make the mistake, I'll make the mistake or actually learn and avoid it. So it is, is very important to inform and educate yourself and ask questions and be humble. Yeah. And I just want to point out, because I think there's a lot of us that struggle with this, especially women, but I've had this conversation with a bunch of people. Here's the deal. You just said you love helping others. So you have to remember that people love helping other people. And so when we don't ask for help or when we don't allow others to help us, we are robbing them of the joy and the pride and the sort of honor of being able to help us. And we know how, how good that feels. So in a weird way, you asking for help is also giving that gift to other people that they, they want to help. That is very true. Yes, that is so true. I actually just learned that yesterday as well. So you saying that is like, yes, I agree with you. Go ask for help. Go ask for help. Um, Okay. This was absolutely amazing. Lily, thank you for taking the time. I know everyone is going to learn a ton from this conversation. Everyone go follow Lily, go check out Lingo Plaza, especially if you've got kiddos. And thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode on the High Growth Founders Podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show of whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And look, much like this show, I love getting into the good, the bad, and everything in between. So please feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show. And consider subscribing to the High Growth Founders newsletter by going to highgrowthfounders.substack.com. You'll get the show delivered to your inbox every single week, plus stories, insights, and actionable tips from my work helping founders accelerate their growth and from my own journey, accelerating my own. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we are here to learn from one another. So please, if the episode made you think of a founder who is leveling up in their business, take a screenshot and share it with them. Okay, that's all I've got. In love and growth, I am out of here. See you next time.